0: Hello, and welcome to ANAM Radio. Our composer this week is Antonín Dvořák, the first Czech composer to take Europe and the rest of the world, in fact, by storm. The year is 1878. Now, Antonín Dvořák's road to success was long and hard, but two factors helped him persevere. The first was a stipend from the Austrian government to support impoverished artists, Bohemia then being part of the Habsburg Empire. And secondly, the encouragement of Johannes Brahms, the first great composer to appreciate Dvorak's talent. In December 1877, Dvorak travelled to Vienna so that he could thank Brahms in person for his support. And while there, he attended a performance of Mozart in B-flat which we know as the Gran Partita, a work for 12 winds plus double bass or contrapassoon. Now, Dvořák was set on fire by this magnificent work, and the very next month, January 1878, he began his own wind serenade, scored for a similar ensemble and completing it in just two weeks. However, after the first performance, he decided to add a cello and a double bass, just to add extra oomph to the sound. Dvořák's Serenade has a distinctly Czech flavour, especially in the second movement. It's labelled minuetto, but is actually a Czech sosedska, or neighbor's dance, with a furiant as its trio, and the chief characteristic of the furiont is an alternating rhythmic feel of two and three to the beat. And the brilliant D minor finale is a kind of polka, another bohemian dance. The serenade was published the following year, and Brahms was one of the first to receive a copy. He wrote to his friend, the violinist Josef Joachim, Take a look at Dvořák's serenade for wind instruments. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I do. It would be difficult to discover a finer, more refreshing impression of really abundant and charming creative talent. Have it played to you. I feel sure the players will enjoy doing it. We talked to oboist Noah Rudd, about Dvorak's Serenade for Winds. So our guest on ANAM Radio this week is oboist Noah Rudd, who comes from New Zealand. And in the performance you'll see and hear Noah playing the second oboe in the Dvorak Serenade, Noah, you describe yourself as a late starter and you messed around with several other instruments before finding your way to the oboe. What, what other instruments did you try out first? I took a, a
1: roundabout route to getting to the oboe. I was part of an institution called Kids Music Company from a very young age. So I tried all sorts of instruments going you know, through marimba. I tried a, a term of piano and guitar and violin and, and didn't really find anything. My sister, uh, who's three years older than me, started the violin when she was six. So when it got to when I was nine, it was a kind of time to decide on an instrument. And my mum was the one who suggested the oboe. So, yeah, I had a lesson on the oboe as well as went to a lesson for for flute and, and made the decision to go with the oboe, which it's why I'm here today, I guess.
0: Terrific. So you you discovered the oboe. And how long before you realised, wow, this is something I would really like to pursue long term? I think when I was at
1: high school, it, it really hit me because I was doing champion music every year. We have a, a national champion music competition. And so all those five years, I was nearly in a, a different group every year. And I think that's really what, what got me going, what got me really interested in, in collaborating with others. And then when I was in my second to last year of high school, I also joined our youth orchestra in, in Auckland. Yeah, that, that was a big step for me. So, you know, when I got to my final year of high school and had to decide what I was going to do at university, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was a sure thing that I was going to do music, but uh, my teacher at the time just implored me if I really wanted to, to do it or thought at all that I did, that I should go and go and study music at university. Well, it's
0: great to have that encouragement and approval from a mentor like that. So you you came over to melbourne to study at ANAM. tell us a bit about your experience at annam i auditioned in
1: my my final year uh, at university and started last year in 2019 and it's been really fantastic i think moving countries is always a big thing obviously you change all sorts of things you've got a new teacher you've got new people around you as well as moving countries and moving away from home and that sort of thing but i think it, it really has opened my eyes to to different aesthetics and things you know definitely even though we are close the I think there is a different sound here in Australia than there is in New Zealand
0: can you talk a little bit more about that that's interesting I
1: think I've I've found you know there's just there's something about real solidity of sound and and depth of sound and and maybe that's part, part of my development as an oboist and and where I want to go as well but you know coming back and it, when I get the opportunity to play with the Auckland Philharmonia, it's, it's different, I think my priorities change a bit, it's much more about making sure that all the notes are, are there on time and tune, which are, are things that Jeff, my teacher, really focuses on too, but I think just the aesthetic and, and being around other students who are all working on their craft and working on sounding better all the time, that,
0: that's a, a big focus for me too. Jeff, of course, being Jeffrey Krellen, uh, your teacher, in this performance that we that we're going to hear, you're playing alongside Nick Deutsch, Anam's artistic director, who is also a brilliant right. oboist. Tell us a little of what you've gleaned from playing alongside Nick.
1: Oh, it, it was a fantastic opportunity, you know, he's uh, a really world-class oboist and I think there's so much that you can take just from, from playing with these people, you know, the, the physicality of how they play uh, their sound and, and all of those sorts of things. I mean, he's got a very sweet Dolce sound and in order to play second oboe against that, you have to really blend in and, and find a sound to match that.
0: So talk a little more Noah about playing second oboe and the responsibilities of that role.
1: The first oboe gets a lot of the solos, obviously, and and as the second oboe, most of the time you are really playing with the rest of the ensemble. And that means you've got is on well, both sides of the head, uh, one way to the, the oboist and one way to the rest of the ensemble. But I think we, we are lucky in this piece. We get a couple of little moments as second oboe to come out of the texture. And I think it comes from this kind of interesting thing that Dvorak does in giving prominence to the second oboe in the lower register. So when the, you know, the thematic material is, is lower, um, that, that's when I get to play it on second oboe. And this is really relevant to his orchestral writing as well. You know, it's quite notorious for a few excerpts, including his cello concerto, as well as I think it's the the Seventh Symphony, um, the lovely second movement. It's, um, yeah, such a a fascinating thing, and one has to wonder what the Second Obrist did to Dvorak to to earn that.
0: So no, this work... um is very closely linked to Mozart's Gran Partita, which Dvorak heard shortly before writing his own serenade. Talk about the connection between the two works.
1: Obviously there, there are some similarities just in the instrumentation obviously, you know, the the Gran Partita or, or a lot of that harmony music had two oboves, two oboes, two clarinets, two bassoons, two horns, that sort of thing. And this Serenade adds as another horn, so there are three horns, as well as cello and double bass. And I think he's really just trying to reinforce those, those bass elements, I guess. And the third movement, particularly uh, Andante con moto*, I think is very much inspired by the third movement of the grand partita and the the melodies, I guess, and and how it gets carried around uh, the principal instruments, but also just this real rhythmic underpinning, which is really interesting to look at the the similarities between between those two movements.
0: Yes, I I really love those syncopated chords in the horns in that movement, which just give it a sort of throbbing heartbeat. I think it's the movement which also asks the most of the two string players, the double bass and the cello, who otherwise don't have much of a solo voice in the serenade.
1: It is very interesting. And and from from what I understand is that uh, originally those string instruments weren't there and he added them in afterwards. And so it would be really interesting to know what it sounded like without those instruments, you know, because as you say, for the rest of the piece, it's much more uh, just reinforcing the the line.
0: I think we'd very much miss them if they weren't there.
1: And I think as as a wind player, it's it gives something else to to play with string players as well. It's um, you know, they they approach music and and even the sound aesthetic is is a bit different. Well,
0: I really enjoyed your performance, and thanks for talking to us, Noah. No problem. Thank you for having me.